My next guest is a former Associated Press sports reporter who has contributed to The Guardian. He spent uh, over a decade reporting from the Olympics, Formula One, World Cup, and Champions League finals while working as a correspondent overseas in both London and Madrid. Today, he calls Montreal, Quebec, his hometown. Please welcome to the podcast author, Paul Logothetis. Hey, Paul. Hi, Karim. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for, for joining the show. I really appreciate it. Um, and congratulations on this book. Thank you very much. It's, um, it's been a, a, a few years in the, in the making, but it's finally, finally here. So uh, I'm very excited. And uh, it's been a, a great, wonderful uh, um, experience for me. Now, it's, it's called Toe Blake, Winning is Everything. Obviously, it's about uh, uh, the former captain and coach of uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, my first question is, you know, as I was reading your bio and then this book, I noticed, wait a second, this guy's not a hockey writer. Um, how did you come about to write this book? You're, you're right. I, I'm not a, uh, a classic uh, hockey writer by any means, but, but um, my, my background has always been heavy on, uh, you know, it's been a bit heavier on, on soccer, as you mentioned, but you know, working at the AP, I covered a, a litany of sports. So uh, I was started to covering all kinds of things from field hockey to cricket to handball. So, so taking the leap into writing a, a hockey book, um, you know, about a sport and a team that, you know, I followed since my own childhood was, was a pretty easy transition for me. Um, but, but the real impetus to writing this book is actually, um, actually originates in my work as a, as a reporter, uh, working in, you know, covering soccer day in, day out. Um, mm -hmm. I looked at Toe Blake's legacy and the big picture of sport of hockey, and, and I saw a lot of similarities with uh, Manchester United legend uh, and you know coach Alex Ferguson. And um, I just you know Ferguson is revered across the soccer world, regardless of the language and the geography. If you mention his name to a soccer fan, they're going to know who Alex Ferguson is yes. and his impact on on the sport. Right. So um, I felt like um, with when when I when I looked at hockey, I just didn't get that same sense about Toe Blake, and and you know that left me scratching my head a lot. And uh, you know, in my mind, he is the greatest coach in the NHL history. You know, him and Scotty Bowman are definitely one two. You can mix those up how you like. Um, and he's also one of the most successful NHL player coach combinations. You know, having won eleven Stanley Cups on uh, as a player and as a coach. And yet, you know, you talk to a Canadiens fan today um, under the age of thirty, including some of the players I interviewed. Um, and you ask them who Toe Blake is, and it's just cricket. So, um, really, yeah, yeah, it's really surprising. And uh, even though you know you'll be in a in the Canadian's locker room, and his his uh, his profile is painted on on the on the wall with the other greats, and and still some don't even know who he is. So, um, and that and, and that's also partly I, I see the Canadians don't really do too much to really promote his legacy either. Um, and that's, you know, when you see there's no book about, you know, one of the greatest NHL minds of all time, it just, uh, I felt like, you know, this is a necessity for hockey to have or for hockey fans and, and for hockey history. Now that almost surprises me because, you know, being here in Toronto, um, you know, notwithstanding the debacle of this year, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we look to Montreal, you know, with the most Stanley cups, uh, and sort of a rich tradition of hockey. Um, it surprises me that that it sounds like they for, they have forgotten about Toe Blake. 
Is there is there a reason for that? Do you know? Well, I mean, I, I think part of it is is losing. Uh, we haven't we haven't okay. won a cup here in, since 1993. So this is a franchise that you know we have this winning legacy, but we're we're really as the years stretch on, we're we're moving further and further away from it and and forgetting about it. And I think that that toes part of that is that. Um, you know, like when I met Toe when I was a, a kid growing up, I, I knew his family, which is wow. allowed me to write the book. Um, okay. So, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to have met him and, and I, I came back from, uh, from a Doug Crossman hockey camp in the summer and uh, met him for the first time. And he, he said, you know, let me take some shots on you. And, um, you know, it was a real, um, symbolic moment for me as a, as a hockey player and, and a, and a young kid who, who followed the Canadians day in day out um, to have this opportunity. And I, I sort of I knew you know the 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 significance of it of of, of who Toe was and his his legacy uh, even at that age you know and 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 that's just lost today. I don't think we really we're, we've gotten so used to losing now since then or not having huh. a sin quarter success um, that we're moving further and further away. And I think the Canadians aren't really doing a great job of. Um, they promote a lot of Bellivo, the Rocket, you know these yeah. um, certain players, but but there's more to it than just that, and and, and we don't get it, and and uh, I think part of that too is is the fact that his his numbers not retired, and um, so they maybe mm. focus a little bit too much on the players that are retired in terms of uh, personalities and that sort of thing. But uh, I think there's a few reasons for it, but but it is surprising to me too, and I think also part of it is you know you look around, there's no book about him. Not that that would change everything, but it would probably help a little bit to to get some get something out to to the masses yeah. about who he was, especially the a new generation of hockey fans who haven't had the the chance to taste success like like we did, you know, as uh, growing up as as uh, Canadians fans. Now you know you have to you have to forgive my ignorance on on all things hockey. Sure. Um, but eleven Stanley Cups, five in a row. Um, eleven Stanley Cups. Like, is there another? Canadians player that can boast that. Yeah, th- <laughs> there is actually. Okay, all right. Uh, it was it was such a, a great, um, a, a proud winning time back in the in the sixties and seventies. Uh, so okay. Henri Richard actually won eleven as a player, which is okay. the NHL record. Um, and Jean Beliveau, I believe, is ten. But uh, you know, Toe Toe was eight as a coach and three as a player. One of those three as a player was with the Montreal Maroons when he played with them before joining the Canadians. That's so, right. So not quite, um, you know, not quite as impressive as Henri, but still 11 cups. And, and actually, I mean, he's 50 years in the organization. So, I mean, he's behind the scenes as an executive for many other cups, too. So um, he, he was sort of a, he's a stalwart in, in terms of being there uh, for all the success. Absolutely. I, w- I, w- I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, how it was researching this book and you uh, alluded to a few minutes ago about knowing the family. Um, so as, as you were beginning to think about writing this, how was how was that conversation with the family in terms of wanting to write this book? Yeah, it, it, it was really um... Um, well, I spoke with his son Bruce, with Toe's son Bruce, and and he's he's been supportive from the start. He he was open to it, and um, and and was willing to share stories and anecdotes. And I mean, that was part of a lot of part of the research was um, speaking with with him um, about his memories, about stories that that Toe told him. Um, 
also some some of Toe's some of his family members too, like Toe's uh, grand grandkids, a couple of them, and um, a lot of executives and and Canadians uh, figures that were kind of behind the scenes with Toe when uh-huh. he moved out of coaching. Because also the other thing was, I mean, I was able to speak to quite a few players too, and like Scotty Bowman, I spoke to as well. Um, Terry Harper, there was Phil Goyette. There's a whole kind of list of, of former players. Um, but but we're talking about a time of the, the 60s as well. And uh, a lot of the memories kind of just blended into one another. So it was hard to get really strong anecdotes from the players. I found more, a lot of it came from speaking with, with people who were closer to him behind the scenes. Um, mm-hmm. The players provided a lot of information in terms of uh, you know how it was to be be led by this man, and they all revered and respected him with with everything, um, and feared him probably a little bit too because they knew their their places weren't assured if they didn't perform for him. Um, but then also, I mean, a lot of the research was also going to libraries and reviewing newspapers on microfish, uh, visits to the National Archives here in Quebec and in, in Ottawa. And uh, you know, accessing uh, newspapers on newspaper.com and ancestry sites for records of uh, you know birth certificates and, and census rolls for his family background. So uh, it was it was a lot of research too, and uh, but I, I enjoyed a lot of it. I, I, I'm a, a, a kind of a I guess you could say like an original a hack is what I was working uh-huh. for the agencies. So I, I love I love uh, newspapers and, and and reading all these old stories and. Um, but my my wife wasn't so so excited. I thought the two young kids at home, but you know she gave me a lot of leeway and let me get away to the library when I had to, and was supportive the whole time. So I can't complain. Nice. So you you've spent. I, I, there's so many more questions I want to ask. I wanna, we'll talk about Bruce and sort of his his uh, his feelings and his in regards to his father's legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to talk about Toe's name and stuff. But in, in terms of your research. In your writing, so you, you you know you come from a you come from Europe where where you've covered things like Formula One and and football slash soccer, and, and then you know you come back to Canada and, and start writing this book uh, about hockey. What similarities and differences are there uh, between you know uh, our love in Canada for the game of hockey versus in Europe and their love of soccer? Well, I would say the um, I'll, I'll allude again to sort of a little bit of what I said before was this sort of no no know, uh, know how and 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 um, uh, I guess education in terms of in, in Europe what they know about soccer they you know it's ingrained and they just have a a real um, long. Um, knowledge and of, of the game and of the players and of the history and the tradition and and there's a real passion and and it's still i, I have i have a hard time going <coughs> to hockey games now compared to going to football games because you just don't feel the same passion as as oh. you would over there i think okay. it's partly to do with um all of the razzle dazzle you go to the i guess i don't know if you go when you go to see a, a maple Leafs game but when i go to a canadians game i just you know you it feels a lot of it is automated and forced and pushing the crowds to 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 be passionate whereas you go to a yeah. a football game and it's just there you don't even there's no nothing going over the loudspeakers um so there's in terms of passion it's there um all throughout the season in in football whereas in hockey 
uh, and other sports here, I find uh, more towards the playoffs is when you, that really comes out. And, um, and that's probably why I'm, I haven't had a taste of that here in Montreal very often recently. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I, I'm a bit more of a football fan these days, but uh, um, so yeah, I would say, I, I mean, that is that, is that you can go to any place in, in Europe or South America or Asia, or wherever yeah. you go, where you talk to a soccer fan or a football fan and you can talk about players and you can discuss them together, even if, you know, they're different nationalities, different teams. Um, there really is just sort of this sort of like a, a common thread of, 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 with this passion that, I don't know, I know hockey is, is not going to be a worldwide sport, but it's just a, a whole other, a whole other game compared to, to the, to how hockey is is uh, um, followed, I guess. One of the first things I learned when I started reading your book was that his real name wasn't Toe; it was actually Hector. Um, yeah. What was Toe sort of like a short form out of Hector? Where, where did that nickname come from? And I know he had another nickname as well. Yeah, so so Toe came from. Um, it's that that was one of the things that I was kind of disappointed with. I couldn't determine definitively where it came from. Okay, um, so it, it came. It, it, it did come from one of his siblings, either his uh, younger brother uh, Lionel or his younger sister Margaret. Uh, neither of them could pronounce Hector; they could only say Hecto. So, ah, that's right. So, so that's where where Toe came from. Um, so, it definitely came from within the family. Um, there was also talk that maybe because of his playing style back in his early days, in his junior days, or. Uh, he used to carry the puck close to his toes, so that was one also potential uh, avenue. But uh, but I mean, Toe even said himself that uh, it came from the family. Um, and then and then later on, he also earned the um, the nickname of the old lamplighter, which was funny uh, that he only earned that really late in his career, uh, really one season before uh, his, his last season, and um, that was a, a number one. One hit from Sammy Kane, a real old-time, um, big band-style uh, number that was number one for eight weeks, and it just sort of, I think for the the, the players, encapsulated who Toe was. He was an old-time hockey guy, uh, and he also scored a lot of goals. He lit the lamps, so they they, they ah. attributed that to him, and and it sort of suits him because it really does. If you hear the song, it's a slow melody. And it definitely, it definitely feels like it's from that time, and uh, and it's a throwback, like Till was. Wow, you talk, uh, you write. Sorry, at, at the, near the beginning of the book about Bruce wanting to forget his father's legacy, um, and then you also, uh, you know, th throughout the book, it, it sort of seemed that you know the relationship between Toe and his wife, where you know. It was happiness at the rink, but at home, um, you know, maybe there were clouds. Um, I wonder if you could talk a bit about, especially Bruce's thoughts around wanting to forget his father's legacy. You know, why that is and, you know, is, is there a challenge in terms of wanting to celebrate Toa as much because of maybe the sort of legacy that he has? Yeah, I mean... When I, I mean, I, th I think of it as like Bruce, um, not so much wants to forget, but maybe not to be reminded. Um, ah. I think him being the son of such a, a dominating, successful figure like Toe commanded the attention of everyone the moment he walked into a room because of his success and, and his actual uh, strength. Um, I think it was hard for, for Bruce to grapple with in terms of his own identity. Um, oh, interesting. 
Yeah, and then when and when Betty died, I think Betty is uh, Toe's wife. Uh, I think things got pretty bad between Bruce and Toe, from from what I understand. And mm. I think that sort of led Bruce to purposely kind of map out his own path, in a sense, um, to be his own man and not the son of Toe Blake. And um, and I think it was not, you know, in a sense of not remo- being reminded of the past, because I think you know Toe was was an absent father in a sense. I mean, he was not. He was on the road all the time. He was not at home uh, much yeah. of the year. So whether he was uh, coaching or playing for the Canadians, he was on the road. And then um, when he was a coach, which is when Bruce Bruce was born in 1950, so a few years later, five years old, he takes over as coach of the Canadians. Um, Toe also had a tavern, and he was doing that full time, and that stayed open until 1983. So um, he was he was a busy man. He was working, and and Betty, his wife, was the homemaker. So um, I think when Toe was at home, he was unwinding, having a drink. And if it was a bad day, that grouchy character of his came out. And I think Bruce kept his distance. He knew when to keep his distance. And so they didn't really get a chance to really, I think, bond as closely as a family would in this day and age, I guess. Sure. Have you seen... um, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, have you seen that a lot in in sort of your writing and covering sports all over the world? That with, you know... I don't know, star athletes or people at the top of their game, there's sort of a give and take between their personal lives and their professional lives. Yeah. I think, I think today it's a lot easier in a sense. I mean, uh-huh. um, a, the, the, you've got, um, you're better paid today than, than back then. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, that's for sure. So, so you can afford help to, to help you with, with this and, and you can devote more time maybe. Uh, also back then, I mean, toe was working, 365 days a year he barely even took two weeks off uh, for vacation so um, there wasn't much time personal time for him so um, so yeah I think I think that was that the, the byproduct of their relationship was that that um, there was not a chance for them to really um, come together and, and I think it was only later and when when toe was out of hockey and and in the background of the Canes organization and Bruce became a father himself that, you know, they, they, they were able to reconnect and bond mm. and, um, and, and become closer and, uh, cause there was less stress on the relationship. Uh, also, uh, at that point, you know, Toe didn't have any, any, anything to, to worry about with work in, in terms of the Canadians or his tavern and, and Bruce was a father and, and, uh, they, they came back together a little bit more. You, you also write about, Toe being driven by fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if you could expand on that. Like, what, what what was that fear? Was it the fear of sort of going back home and working the mines the rest of his life, or or is there more to it than that? Uh, no, I don't think it was it was the fear of of that. I, I mean, perhaps the fear of failure. Yeah, in that sense of you know falling out of hockey and having to work the mines for sure. That that drove him to to definitely um, not let up. But um, I think the fear really came into play kind of from his third season on after they'd won two straight Stanley Cups to start his career as coach. Um, this sort of self-imposed sense of fear, it begins to creep into his life as the pressure of success begins to build for him as well. And it's a, it's a narrative that grows, um, but, but it's sort of calmed by that success for those five straight Stanley Cups. But then yeah. after that, from from sixty one to sixty five, the the Canadians don't win the cup again, and now that 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 stress begins to appear, and there's some cracks, uh, 
It's also the same time when his wife Betty is diagnosed with cancer. So he's got these sort of, he's torn between the two loves of his life are in trouble and, and he's having a hard time um, getting the Canadians back on top and spending time with Betty and the family. So I think it kind of pulled him apart and, and he had this, this fear of, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to uh, fail uh, at one and then the other and, and, and he didn't want that. And, um, and pushed him into a bit more of a secluded existence in a sense and, and it affected his personal relationships and um, he sort of thrived but, but suffered miserably from that as well. So, huh. um, you know, it, 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 it sort of became a, a running theme at the end of every season. Um, you know, he took one-year deals and would he retire this year or not? And um, he basically signed only one-year contracts because he wanted to keep the fear of unemployment with the Canadians sort of alive and, and to keep wow. motivated and pushing. So um, he used it, he tapped into it, but it also sort of it dominated him as well a little too much. I was shocked uh, while reading your book to find out that back in the, in the early 40s that uh, the Canadians were in a mess financially um, and that they were close to what closing down or, or leaving. Um, it, it's hard to fathom that in terms of, you know, here's the, the winningest franchise in professional sports in North America, um, having a time when they were almost non-existent. Yeah. I mean, they, they had won the, um, the cup in 31 and then it's certainly went on a slide. Then a lot of, of debt, um, a terrible team on the ice. And um, that that last, I mean, the, the the winless run at the Cups lasted until 1944. They didn't win a playoff series between those those years either. Wow. And um, yeah, which is incredible when you think about it. But um, I mean, they 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 found a new owner, and then they found. I mean, honestly, um, Joe was. Um, I wouldn't say he changed the organization completely, but he was the cornerstone of the rebuild um, that led to the punchline, which was with uh, Elmer Locke and Maurice the Rocket Richard. And uh, once the three of them were were put together, I mean, that's when they won they won two cups with Toe playing on the punchline, and uh, that re-energized the uh, the franchise, that electrified the crowds, that. Um, that that made hockey winning again in Montreal at, well, with the Canadians at least, and um, and and part of it is um, you look up at the rafters and and the Bell Center now, and and you've got the Rocket and Elmer both have their jerseys retired and hanging there, and uh, not toes, which to me is another um, travesty, and and I think a big motivation for me to write the book is that yeah the the importance of of his his place in the organization. What so? Let me ask you this: What what do the Montreal Canadiens, as as a as a franchise, as a team, think of of this book and what and what you're doing? Oh, they they haven't really provided any uh, any uh, comments. I guess you could say about it. I mean, I've they were very helpful with getting me access to um, to alumni, to former players. Um, Rajon Hul was fantastic with that, helping me out and and being available for me all the time. But uh, beyond that, there there hasn't really been any collaboration. Uh, I mean, um, I've uh, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that uh, that someone that they read the book and and uh, we can we can do something to help remember Toe Blake's legacy a bit better because you know you go to the Bell Center and there's a there's a plaque 
um, for toe that's you know mixed in with the rest of all the other plaques, and and that's really about it. So there isn't really much there to to remind us of uh, of his legacy. Yeah. So after after writing this, uh, Paul, do you have another hockey book in you? Well, I don't know about hockey. Um, <laughs> if there's a good story, I, I like a good story. So if I if I do come across a good story, I, I gladly take it on. Um, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed doing this, and uh, it's actually just compounded my misery over the franchise now, <laughs> the Canadians, reading all these these great uh, anecdotes and reading about these great times and. Uh, it's hard to, to be a fan now. It's really, it's, it's a love because there's no other way to put it. Well, listen, the, the book is being published a month from today uh, on March the 24th. Uh, so the, you know, best of luck with that. Um, are there any, there must be some events around a, a book launch or something like that, most likely in Montreal? Yeah, so far we've got something lined up in Montreal on April 2nd at um, Paragraph Bookstore uh, on McGill uh, College. So that'll be like a, a six to seven thirty at night, um, uh, the launch, the official launch, and then I'm also doing something at Montreal West uh, Library uh, on April sixteenth. Uh, should, I should double check that for you, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all on my website, paullogothetis.com, and um, uh, Montreal West because that's where Mon- uh, Toe and lived for about thirty years. So uh, he's really well known in the community. So I thought it'd be interesting to to go and see if I could meet any other old friends of his and and talk some some toe stories. Well listen, you know, for for someone who's uh not a big hockey fan, uh, you know, follow baseball and and um and basketball myself, you know, reading this book um has been really fascinating. Everything from I'm also a Cub Scout leader, so from knowing that Toe Blake played in like a a scouts league um, mm-hmm. or, or, or a team was, was really, really interesting. And just, you know, understanding the, the, the culture of hockey and what it meant to, you know, small towns, you know, all over the, all over the country was, uh, was interesting. And just about this man was, has been really fascinating. So um, thank you for writing oh. this and, and best of luck on, on the launch. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. And one more time, the website is Paul, Logothetis.com. Um, I'll it. have uh, the, a link to that in the show notes. And uh, again, Paul, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Great. Thank you, Karen.